Welcome to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast. I am your host, John. I am excited that you are here and excited about this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, The Exchange, you can go to our website at madetheexchange.com. You can always email me and I would love to answer some questions or schedule you to be on the show. You can email me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com and I will respond to you as quickly as I can. All right, let's get into this week's episode. All right, welcome to episode two for season two. I'm stoked to be talking to you guys about how we ended up in Puerto Rico. So if you guys listened to episode one of this season, uh, you learned a lot about uh, some of the crazy things that God's already asked uh, me to do uh, from quitting my job uh, to go work at this uh, ministry and church plant in Pullman uh, to that job not working out to the Lord calling me to walk to Washington, D.C. to go pray for the president uh, you know, and, and so it just, my life has just been a roller coaster ever since I decided to say yes to Jesus. So I want to pick up where I left off, uh, which is what happened after we got back or after I got back from Washington, DC. So that was an amazing, uh, event in my life. It really was a, uh, perpetual point for my wife and I to really trust the Lord uh, in full faith and so many things in our lives. And so when I, when I came back from DC, you know, I started school in, in 2013. Um, the Lord had led me to school. What I did is I, uh, I just Google searched a school. I applied for one school, got accepted into that school and I have been there ever since. And so that's Liberty university. Uh, and, and so I started online in 2013. And so I don't remember exactly what year it was, you know, but it was right, right around there. And my wife's uh, grandfather passed away. And so my wife is uh, 50% Puerto Rican. Her dad is from Puerto Rico. Uh, she has family in Puerto Rico. Um, and she actually ended up um, in Puerto Rico with her dad um, for her grandpa's funeral. And when she came back, you know, I really wanted to make sure that our kids got to meet her grandmother because kind of my perspective was that if, if I had a, a grandmother or a great-grandmother you know, living somewhere you know, like Puerto Rico, I would want to meet them if I had the opportunity. Uh, and I would be pretty upset if I never met them simply because my parents didn't want to go there. And that really was the case with my wife. Um, I'm not going to share all the details. You know, maybe if you meet her someday, you know, you can ask. She's more happy to share about it. But she was not proud of being Puerto Rican. Uh, where we lived and where we grew up, you know, having the last name Gonzalez just wasn't very popular. Her growing, her growing up uh, was extremely traumatic. You know, lots of crazy things happened in her life that really led her to not be proud of being Puerto Rican, not being proud of the Puerto Rican people, and really wanting nothing to do with the Puerto Rican people or Puerto Rico itself. You now she wanted nothing at all to do with it, uh, and knowing that. You know, I had a discussion with my wife and I said, hey, I said, I really think we need to go to Puerto Rico so, you know, our kids can meet your side of the family there. And she was extremely reluctant. She really didn't want to go. And I said, you know what? We'll go for 10 days and we never have to go back. But I really believe we should go. So she agreed you know, reluctantly. You know, and, and during this time, you know, we're both praying for direction from the Lord and ministry we know at this point that the Lord has called um, us into full-time ministry for that season. Just didn't know what that looked like. And 
And so we weren't even thinking outside of the country. We weren't thinking anything. We, we were looking like, hey, right here in the United States, we had never, you know, as a family traveled outside of the country. I personally had never traveled outside of the country. In fact, I barely traveled outside of the state, uh, let alone another country. So it, it's, it's something that we weren't, it wasn't even on our radar to move anywhere else. And so uh, we went to Puerto Rico um, and what we walked into was completely unexpected. The last we knew, in fact, we actually had conversations about it, you know, is that her family was Catholic and we're like, well, what do we do? Like if they want us to go to mass, like how do we say no? Like we were, we were really uncomfortable, you know, with the whole situation. And we arrived there and not only are they no longer practicing Catholics, uh, they have converted to Christianity and have a Christian church inside their house, uh, which just blew our mind, like was completely unexpected. And I, when I say in their house, I mean, they had a garage and they had a large room behind their garage and they literally had that reserved for church only. They literally had a church in their house. And so we were just shocked uh, and actually during that trip, we, we actually did whatever her aunt and uncle did. And we, um, we went to some different outreach things that the church was part of, which was completely unexpected. And so we saw parts of Puerto Rico, uh, that we would have never seen if we were going just for vacation. And so we were just, our minds were just blown and we're like, what in the world? Like this was unexpected. And, and through those unexpected activities, what we started to see is a tremendous need in Puerto Rico for the gospel message. There was zero need for religion in Puerto Rico. They were, the people knew about Jesus, they knew about the church from a, from a Catholic perspective, but they did not know the gospel and they did not know Jesus. And we started seeing this in many different applications. And at one point, uh, we were actually driving um, with some people through Old San Juan, and if you guys are familiar with Old San Juan, you know, there's a community called La Perla. And, and as we drive by there, uh, the driver spoke to us and they said, whatever you do, never go down there because there's a chance that you're never gonna come back out again. This community is run by the drug cartel. Uh, lots of violence, uh, lots of murders take place in this community. And everybody knows it is very well known um, within the area. Um, we were actually talking to some police officers on another trip and they're like, yeah, we don't ever go down there uh, because if they find out we're police officers, we're never coming out. And so as, as soon as he said, and this was a leader uh, of one of the local churches, as soon as he said, yeah, never go down there because you're never gonna come back out. The first instinctual thought was, how do I get down there? Because if the church isn't even going, nobody's going and they're not hearing about Jesus. And that was my first instinctual thought. This was before any conversation about doing ministry in Puerto Rico at all. And so we've experienced all this stuff in day eight of the trip. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were at her, one of her uncle's houses. We were sitting in the back of his Mitsubishi Montero and my wife, Jennifer, looks over at me and she said, why are we still in Michigan? God needs us to move to Puerto Rico. And without hesitation, I said, okay, when? 
And at that point, we had no idea when. So this was March of 2014 that we were in Puerto Rico on vacation that my wife didn't want to go on. She wanted nothing to do with Puerto Rico or the Puerto Rican people. And here she is eight days later saying, God needs us to move to Puerto Rico. And because, I mean, and the reason I said yes so quickly is because I knew that if that was her saying that, it was clearly the Lord. Clearly, clearly the Lord. And so we got home back in Michigan after that trip, and it really seemed kind of crazy that the Lord would be calling us to, to go live in the Caribbean. And so when we got back, I said, okay, Lord, if this is really you, send me back there, completely paid for in less than two months. In less than two months, me, my dad, and my wife were all back in Puerto Rico, completely paid for. And it was it was just unbelievable what we experienced on that trip. Uh, we we ended up going to a men's homeless shelter and a drug rehab place, and just more and more of the need for the gospel became evident to us, and it really reconfirmed why we were being called to Puerto Rico. And so after that trip, we got back to Michigan. Still seems super crazy, right? Like here we are from Michigan, you know, being called to move to the Caribbean to go talk about Jesus, like. <laughs> like, how do you explain that to people, right? Like, uh-huh, sure, guys. Yeah, you're you're being called to the Caribbean to go talk about Jesus. Sure, you are. Um, and, and so it was a really difficult pill to swallow for us to even start sharing with people. Like, that was what we were called to do. And so we, we started praying about it. We started asking the Lord, you know, why would you want us to go? What exactly would you want us to be doing? And so... We made arrangements uh, for me to go to Puerto Rico in June of 2014 um, to kind of do some scouting, to be looking for some houses, uh, to be involved with one of the churches there that we really felt that we were going to be working with, you know, and get involved with them and, you know, and really start the work before we even moved there. And so the plan was for me to be there for a month. Uh, I believe it was like June 29 or June 30 or something like that of 2000. Uh, 14 um, through the end of July and we had housing all lined up somebody you know they let let me stay there at their place uh, in Puerto Rico and so had their blessing and I ended up going to Puerto Rico and my what was supposed to be one month trip turned into a four-day trip and you know it was the devil you know it was the enemy because of what transpired in a matter of three days. I don't really even know how to explain it, but I get there and everything was going great. Day one, everything was great. Uh, the, the people that I was staying with, uh, and I'm leaving their names out, at a, out on purpose. Um, I don't, yeah, you can understand why. Um, so people I was staying with you know, were very hospitable. They were excited that I was there uh, and we were excited, ready to get to work. Something happened between day one and day two, and I don't know what it is. I don't know why or what, or I have no idea. But all of a sudden, there was a complete change, and the the people that I were staying with all of a sudden felt that I shouldn't be there, that it wasn't smart for me to be there without my wife and kids, uh, that I made a mistake, that God's not calling me to Puerto Rico, and it, it got hostile. Uh, very, very quickly. Um, and to make a, a long story short, I got peacefully kidnapped. Um, I was 
trapped inside their house. Their whole property was gated. They would not let me out of the property um, until I left the island. And I was very clear that I'm not leaving the island until the Lord calls me to leave the island. Uh, I said, I will gladly go sleep somewhere else. I'll sleep on the street. I'll something like I, but I'm not leaving the island until the Lord tells me that just infuriated them even more. Uh, and they're like, no, you're not leaving our property until you leave the island. Uh, and I was literally peacefully kidnapped on the island and I was just left alone to figure it out on my own. There was no help on their end. Uh, they wanted nothing to do with me. They wanted, they didn't talk to me. I had to figure it out on my own. You know, towards the end of the second day, you know, the husband, you know, told his wife that he wanted to talk to me the following day. And so she did tell me that he wanted to talk to me the following day. Um, so the following day came and he was gone in the morning. I just sat there all day. <laughs> he wasn't home. Yeah, and he comes home and he says, okay, we're, we're ready to talk. And I said, okay, well, let me go upstairs and grab my Bible. It was in my room, which is where I was sleeping upstairs. Uh, and he says, oh, oh no, you're not going to need that. And I said, yes, I am. That's my sword. I'm, I need this. So I went and grabbed my Bible and he just proceeded to hostily come at me about me being there and I shouldn't be there, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it, it, it was really, really bad. Um, and he ended up leaving, going upstairs. Uh, and I go upstairs and I said, Hey guys, I said, I really believe this has gotten out of control. I said, I don't know what's happening. I said, but I, I believe that we really just need to all sit and pray together and just ask the Lord for some clarity and some wisdom and some direction here. And he was sitting on the couch. He looked at me and he said, no, he said, we're not praying. And that really threw me for a loop. And I said, well, yeah, we, we really need to pray. And, and he kind of like got all like shifty and like pulled out his shirt, like like over his shoulders. And he was like, oh, well, uh, I, I need a, I need a shower first. I haven't showered. And I'm like, well, when was the last time you needed a shower before you prayed? He said, yeah, we're not praying. And I said, well, you don't need to pray, but I am going to pray. And so it was uh, me, him, his wife, uh, and his and um, his wife's mother. I just started praying. And I looked over at home while I was praying. And his eyes were completely black. And he had this, this grin on his face. Uh, and he was just laughing while I was praying. Um, and in that moment, I really just felt the Lord say, all right, John, there's nothing else you can do here. Uh, it's time for you to go home. Uh, so I went downstairs, rebooked my flight, went back upstairs and said, hey, I booked my flight. I leave tomorrow morning. It's up to you if you want to bring me in the morning. My flight leaves at 6 a.m. Or if you want to bring me tonight, I'll just sleep at the airport. And so they ended up bringing me uh, to the airport later that evening. Um but that wasn't after more drama. And so he had asked me to pack up all my stuff and, you know, and load up the car. And so I complied. I packed up all my stuff and brought everything uh, to his vehicle. And I just asked the Lord, okay, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to do? And uh, I had met uh, somebody prior, um, a couple days prior, and also on an, another trip. It was the... So how the churches works there, like they have like presidents of denominations. And so for the president of the denomination, denomination, um, I met uh, his daughter and her husband. The, the Lord asked me to call her 
and asked her where there was a mountain that I could go pray at. So I called her and asked her if there was a mountain nearby where I could go pray. And she's like, you mean like a legitimate mountain? I'm like, yeah, like a real mountain. Like where's a close mountain? So she actually sent me the GPS coordinates to this location. And so the Lord said, okay, John, I want you to tell this guy that this is where I want you to be brought. And so we're both sitting in the front seat. I'm sitting in the front seat. He gets in. I have my iPad, you know, with with the GPS coordinates on it. And I said, hey, I said, I know where you need to take me. And he says, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, I said, the Lord has shown me where to take me. And I showed him my iPad and it was like literally in the middle of the rainforest. I said, right here, you need to bring me right here. Uh, And he did not like that. He got all upset, uh, went upstairs, and I don't even remember how long it was. Uh, Eventually, he came down and he said, no, I'm I'm bringing you to the airport. Uh, And ended up at the airport, slept in the airport overnight. And on day four of my trip, I ended up back in Michigan. Now, how do you explain that? To people who already thought you were a little crazy, you've done some crazy stuff, you know, all of a sudden a 30 day trip turns into a four day trip. Like, how do you explain that? And and honestly, the story that you just heard, not a lot of people even know because I haven't really shared it uh, because it is really so crazy. I don't even remember how we explained ourselves away, but we did. But I do remember people that were close to us back here in Michigan, you know, being excited, thinking like, okay, well, their Puerto Rico stint is done. They're they're not moving now. They're, they've got this crazy out of their system. And Jennifer and I had talked and we're like, you know what? No, we we feel like God is still calling us back to Puerto Rico. That was that was just the enemy trying to stop us. We're not going to let that stop us. Uh, and so we planned another trip. Uh, Jennifer and I went back in September of 2014 um, looking for housing and, and all this stuff. And uh, that's a super, super long story um, of what transpired on that trip. But we made connections on that trip that were extremely powerful connections. And that's how we ended up getting our house. Uh, and so we ended up moving to Puerto Rico, December of 2014. So remember in March of 2014, Jennifer wanted nothing to do with Puerto Rico. We go on a trip to visit her family. Day eight of that trip, the Lord says move to Puerto Rico. And that's March of 2014. We're back again in April, 2014. I get peacefully kidnapped in July 2014, September 2014. We go there to find housing and and meet more people to figure out what to do. And by December 2014, we have sold most everything we own in Michigan and moved to Puerto Rico. We didn't know any Spanish. We had no solid connections on the island. We had no idea what our ministry was going to look like. We simply moved to Puerto Rico because Jesus asked us to move to Puerto Rico to serve him. And that is how we ended up in Puerto Rico. It was a crazy, crazy event. Like, I mean, less than a year from being called to Puerto Rico to moving to Puerto Rico. And, and mind you, this is with raising no money. Okay, the Lord, we, we we very specifically asked the Lord about money. We're like, Lord, like we don't have the money to do this. How, how are we to do this? He just said, trust me. That's all he said, trust me. So we asked him if we could raise funds. He said, no, just trust me. But we started getting closer to the, like our leave date. We're like, Lord, we don't have money for the plane tickets. Like, can we at least do something to raise that money? He said, fine, you can have an auction. You can have an auction to raise the money that you need to get there. So we 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 put together an auction and we raised like $4,000 or something like that. That was just enough to get us there 
get our security deposit paid on the house that we are renting and have $2,000 cash left over to buy a vehicle, to buy food, to buy basically a whole new wardrobe because you need clothing for hot weather all the time, 24 seven down there. Um, and so that was it. That's all we had. We had uh, at that point, I don't think we had anybody supporting us financially on a regular basis. Shortly after we moved there, uh, we did have some people that we had either met along the way or that knew us personally that did start supporting us out of their own accord. Uh, we never asked for it. That was something the Lord told us to do. Like we, we could not ask for funds. We could not ask for support, um, but we could accept any support that was given to us. And so we eventually had right around a thousand dollars a month um, coming in from support. Other than that, we had no money. Uh, I had to go find a job. I ended up working as a janitor for a school that was connected to a church. And one of the guys that we had met in September, he pastored that church. So I worked as a janitor at a school for an entire year. Uh, and in the meantime, we were trying to meet people. We were doing outreach stuff. And I'm going to get into more of that in our next episode of what we actually started doing in Puerto Rico and how all of that transpired. But I remember laying in my driveway and my driveway was on an angle. I remember laying in my driveway, you know, within the, you know, this was the first five months we were living there, laying in my driveway, just staring up at the stars at two o'clock in the morning and just being like, God, if this is not you, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. We've got no money. We've got no relationships. We don't know how to speak Spanish. We've never stepped into ministry before. What are you doing? And what God did during the time that we lived in Puerto Rico was just absolutely astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. We were never in need. In fact, we always had more than we needed. And I'm gonna get into more of those details later. But we never raised funds. The Lord said, just trust me. And we did. And God came through in miraculous ways. And I'm going to share more of that in the next episode uh, for October. But guys, the whole key behind what I want to share with you in this episode is that if God calls you to do something, God will equip you and provide for you to do that. God is never going to ask you to do something that he'll not prepare you for, equip you for, and provide for you to do it. If God is calling you to do something, respond in obedience. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about the language. God will take care of all of that. You have to step out in faith. And if you truly believe in Jesus, if you've truly put your faith in Jesus, Step out in faith and he will provide. I promise you. I promise you that. And so that is how we ended up in Puerto Rico, guys. It was a crazy trip. It was a crazy experience. Uh, and for our episode in October, I'm going to be digging into how God actually provided and the work that we were actually doing in Puerto Rico while we were there. Like this podcast, share this podcast. You can go on our Facebook Instagram, like it. Uh, you can go to our website, madetheexchange.com. Uh, there you can have access to this podcast. Uh, you can uh, have access to some free uh, material that we provide on there. You also 
uh, can contact us there. You can order my um, newest book there, Awakening the Sleeping Giant, A Guide to Living Out the New Testament Church, and learn more about our ministry, The Exchange. Thank you so much for listening, and that is the end of this week's episode. As always, you can contact me via email at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. You can learn more about our ministry at madetheexchange.com. And if you would like to order a copy of my book, Awakening the Sleeping Giant, A Guide to Living Out the New Testament Church, that is available on our website as well as amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. If you have any questions, I would love to chat. Otherwise, until next time.